You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 14. Today we have a mixed bag of topics to start, including Amazon providing us with an excellent example of one of the most pressing issues facing workers today, and Canada's decision to leave rates steady this past week, And finally, President-elect Trump's hypocritical economic appointment. In our Stars and Dogs of the Week, we review the most well-known investment bank in North America, Goldman Sachs, and what remains of one of the best retail names in Canada, the Hudson's Bay Corporation. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome my co-host, Keystone's senior equity analyst, a father of one, and a man who was so inspired by Snoop Dogg's new cooking show with Martha Stewart that he has proposed his own fishing show on the Outdoor Life Network with guest host Hillary Clinton. Mr. Aaron Dunn. And it's going to be absolutely huge, so thank you for the plug there, Ryan. Huge. It'll be huge. I agree. Now, we're going to start this week by one a topic we talk about all the time in in the office uh, amongst ourselves. Um, It's a huge issue, this huge issue of automation or the mass replacement of workers by technology that uh, most people really are not talking about uh, throughout North America. It's technical substitution is what we're calling it. Now this week Amazon announced that it's testing a grocery store in downtown Seattle that lets customers walk in, grab food from the shelves, and walk out again without ever having to stand in a checkout. Sounds brilliant. Customers tap their cell phones on a turnstile as they walk into the store, which logs them into the store's network and connects them to Amazon's account through an app. The service is called Amazon Go. Now that when the customer leaves, the app adds up everything this customer has taken and charges their Amazon account. So presumably you have to be an Amazon account member or Amazon Prime member. So the model would be something close to a Costco model where you have a membership fee uh, and Amazon Prime members would have access only. You'd have an annual fee with that account. Now, there was an associated story with this which Amazon has denied, uh, but the report, the, the firm that came out with the report, Business Insider, stands by the report that Amazon wants to open 20 brick and mortar stores over the next 10 years and the, it believes the online retailer will open or has room to open 2,000 stores of these Amazon Go type stores over the next decade. This would certainly be a huge disruption in the, uh, the grocery market. Yeah, it's, it's, it, this is a topic that, that really needs to be talked about more, which is the automation of, of work uh, in, in the modern economy. And it, it's, it's interesting because I actually hear... When I talk to young people, I actually hear young people talk about it a lot, and that's a big concern for them, what, what, what type of employment is going to be available for them in the future. And I think that there are going to be a lot of great jobs that come out of this. I know that there's going to be a lot of great jobs, 
but they're going to be they're going to be high level jobs and what's being replaced are, are, are a lot of um like manufacturing jobs blue collar jobs um administrative jobs say if you're a cashier and it's something that i i don't hear politicians talking about a lot so when we when we hear about workers being displaced we hear mostly about globalization i mean that was the what the whole trump campaign was about um, american companies offshoring offshoring blue collar work but what's not really being talked about which is going to be in my opinion the much 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 bigger issue over the next 10 years is the automation of work i mean how how do you deal with how do you deal with that yeah it's a story that we'll continue to touch on um i mean the issue like you talked about there politicians are not talking about this generally and the issue probably there is because the solution is not a four-year solution which is their term in office it's a solution that includes education as a big part of it to educate the workforce. And that's a you know, multi-decade uh, type plan uh, that has to be implemented. In, and, it, and you, you know, just don't see that focus on the long term with most politicians. And that's an issue with our political system uh, throughout the world, generally speaking. No, no. The focus for politicians is usually four years out, and and, and exactly the, the solution to this problem is is preparing your population for it, yeah. primarily through education, and that's that that that's a long term that's that, that's a long term strategy. So it's uh, it's something that I hope people start demanding that politicians look into in the future. And just as is somewhat of an aside, just looking at Amazon here, it's it's somewhat of an interesting position that Amazon's in as well because it's, it's such a high-valued company. I mean, it's, it's trading at about 150 times earnings. That The valuation is just absolutely obscene compared to almost anything else out there. And their profitability, their profit margins are actually quite low. So they're, they're able to enter some of these industries with, with very low profit margin expectations um, relative to what, say, in this case, what a brick-and-mortar grocery store. That's yeah, predatory would, pricing. It, it is predatory yeah. pricing, but, but they're allowed to get away with it because they're the exciting new, new technological innovation that's disrupting all of these industries. So they can go in, they can undercut a lot of these, these other industries, a lot of the companies in these industries, and don't have to worry about really being that profitable. It's uh, it puts them in a in a strong position and and it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, it's a very early business case, right? It's it's yeah. going to be. I mean, books and books are going to be written about you know what Amazon has done and potentially what they've been able to do over time. Uh, it'll be yeah. something to look back at as a massive business case, I'm sure. Yeah, and this is just one one pilot store, Amazon Go. Yeah. Right now, it's just one pilot store, but it will we'll see in the next couple of years how that's going to turn out for them. Yeah, I think I think it is is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it looks like I mean, of course, these stores could somehow fail miserably, but um, they put a lot of time and energy into launching this. You'd think that uh, you know, if there is a modicum of success there, they'll move forward. I'll just and say though that the. the in 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 this in the in the context of Amazon, and then and we can move on to the next topic. Um, even if they do fail, in a conventional sense financially, Amazon could still pursue it. Yes. Oh yes. Because yeah, there's they, value they just in them saying we're disrupting this industry and, and taking it over, even if we're not making a lot of money doing it. Which well, is, pro- they probably get a higher valuation in the market the way the market values them right now, just for trying. Exactly. And moving forward, that that's the curious uh, side of the story. Now, the next topic we're going to look at is uh, interest rates this week. The Bank of Canada kept its benchmark interest rate unchanged at 0.5% on Wednesday. 
They reduced the outlook for growth for the economy, citing slower short-term activity in the resale housing market coupled with soft Canadian exports. So the bank trimmed its outlook for growth to 1.1% this year from 1.3% that it had forecasted in July. Most pundits are seeing no pending rate hikes within Canada over the next 12 months. Now, meanwhile, in the U.S., Aaron, you, you're, we're seeing a different situation there, at least well, from a different perception. expectations for sure. Yeah. 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 So, so bond bond yields, um, which which will drive interest rates as well, long term bond yields, um, they have risen since since Trump was elected, and that's because his plan is is very infla- inflationary. He wants to cut taxes. He wants to spend a lot of money, and that's gonna that. Typically, will it will pump up the economy in the short term, which causes inflation, which is 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 a reason to increase increase interest rates and will cause long bond yields to rise. Um, but we've been through this situation many times before over the last five years. I would say three strong cycles over the last five years in investor sentiment, where investors felt that interest rates certainly were on the rise, that they were going to start moving back up, maybe not to historical norms, but but close to right now. I mean, even with even with the pop up after the election, even in the States, they're just they're so low. They're 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 so close to historic lows. But people once again are thinking they're they're, they're going to rise back up. Um, I think it would be a good thing if they move up somewhat from here. Absolutely. But we've seen this happen before where the market gets extremely concerned about rising interest rates. A lot of things happen. Interest rate sensitive stocks start to pull back. Um, Companies that would benefit from higher interest rates supposedly um, start doing well. But what happens typically and what has happened repeatedly over the past five years is reality um, reality comes back to, to, to the investor's mind and, and people realize that, that we don't have the economic backdrop to really support interest rates moving back up close to, close to historical norms. So if Trump does everything that he wants to do, then yes, we should see some very, a very inflationary environment in the short term. But the one thing about, about Trump's plan is that it's very simple. And I think that's why it appeals to a lot of people, cut taxes, make the make the economic environment more more um, suitable for businesses to expand in and then you have economic growth um, we wish it were that simple but the economy the capital markets it is a very complicated machine with a lot of pieces and these pieces move and, and depend on each other and one of the one of the things that I see being a problem with Trump's plan is that the United States has not solved their debt situation. The deficit has declined a lot since it since it's hit its high. I think about 1.4 trillion back around 2010. Um, now it's around seven seven hundred. Sorry, yeah, 1.4 trillion back around 2010. Now it's around 700 billion. I believe the deficit on an annual basis. But if he wants to cut taxes and he wants to increase spending to the level that he wants to that that he's promising in his campaign. You're going to see you're going to see a massive, massive increase to to the deficit. That's going to bring concerns once again about the U.S. debt situation. Plus, you're going to have high inflation. That's in the short term. That's going to move. That's going to move um, interest rates up. And of course, the United States they got a lot of debt, so they have to pay those. In, they have to make those interest payments. They have to borrow more to to um, to to carry out their plan. And that's just the vicious cycle. You know, the more they the more they want to push this plan, the higher rates are going to be, and that's the more they're going to have to pay. And these things tend to balance themselves out over time. So I think that once 
once we see the federal government and the states, the new administration start to carry out their plan, we're going to see a lot of these counterbalancing forces come into play, and that's going to that's going to that's going to bring that's going to bring things back to reality. We're going to see that that it's not going to be so easy just to uh, just to inject a ton of of stimulus, so to speak, which is what he's saying into the economy. Yeah, and and the rally since Trump's. Um since he became the president-elect is is a bit Pollyannish to me in that you have a bunch of competing uh, ideas here. You, you have uh, you know, an impetus for potentially growth near term and in tax cuts um, and, and then reduced regulation um, and then a scenario where you're looking at higher rates. Well, you know, you put those two things together, um, and you're looking at a growth in the stock market. Last time, the last two or three times, we really had an indication of higher rates. Uh, the market sold off. Now you're getting an indication of higher rates, and the markets are moving forward. Um, it's it's a bit Pollyannish to me, because in the end, as Aaron was saying, higher rates. The the only thing that is pushing forward this growth, uh, the prospect of growth, really is. The company going more into debt to borrow to spend for type infrastructure type spending. Uh, this uh, long term is not is not good for is not good for growth. You just have higher debt levels, and the debt seems to be again you know the elephant in the room. It's, it's sitting there, but nobody's paying attention to it. So eventually, now, the market. But they will. Attention. They'll start yeah, paying attention to do. it again. Yeah. Now the final story we're going to talk about is a little hypocrisy from the Donald. What a this, surprise. Yeah, this past week, December 9th, President-elect Donald Trump announced the new, his new Director of Economic Council. One of his top economic advisors will be none other than Gary Cohen. He is currently the President and COO investment banking firm and securities firm Goldman Sachs. Now, this is another Goldman executive becoming a top presidential advisor. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Now, did we also mention that Goldman partner Steve Mnuchin is Trump's pick for Treasury Secretary? Again, I digress in that respect. In the run-up to his inauguration, Trump focused on retaining and creating manufacturing jobs in the U.S. through sheer force of will, really. Uh, given the combined forces of automation we talked about, lower wages elsewhere, and U.S. companies committing being committed to selling uh, and producing in foreign markets, that may be both unrealistic and impractical. But the idea of bringing jobs back to America gets you votes, and we saw that. Whether you can do it or not is another story. Now, the irony here is, at Goldman, Trump's new economic advisor, Gary Cohen, was well known for outsourcing thousands of jobs to the US, to India. Uh, a tremendous amount of jobs went out to India under his uh, under his reign at Goldman. Now, I I guess Trump could skate around this issue by saying that these are service jobs that are that he outsourced to India India versus the manufacturing jobs that Trump wants to bring back. But to me, you know, in the end, jobs are jobs in some respect, and uh, th this seems like you know a high de high degree of hypocrisy from Trump. Well, and, and I'll also add here that if Trump wants to erect all these trade barriers and, and essentially you know, promote an isolationist economic policy, then he's going to need 
whatever jobs you can keep in America to, to buy whatever the manufacturing industry makes. Because when, when he starts erecting trade barriers with other nations, they're going to start erecting them with, uh, with, with the United States. So that's, it, it's going to be a tit for tat situation. Yeah. And, and, and let me step back a bit and say, I, I do agree with uh, putting very qualified and successful people into key positions. Uh, within the government and it is something uh we don't always see with with past governments putting uh you know sometimes it's career politicians you're seeing and that's really what this government is supposed to be against we're going to see how this new experiment works uh and and, and going forward the proof will be in the pudding four eight years out but it should be interesting times when part of part of course part of his 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 campaign and i don't want to dwell on the the trump thing too much because you could literally just have your own show about it but part mm-hmm. of his campaign promise was draining the swamp he wanted yeah. to do everything different so he wanted to get all the corrupt politicians out there but then he's he's bringing all these people in these these i mean certainly the ones from gold goldman sachs he he was blaming wall street for so many of of the woes of the united states so he's bringing these people in who who are essentially i guess from his perspective they're the ones that have been benefiting from, you know, what the outsourcing, um, the the financial markets, and the way the capital markets work in the United States, the the rigging, so to speak, they're the ones that are benefiting from the rigging. So his perspective that he's trying to sell, anyways, is like, well, we we know how to be con men, we know how the system works, so we're gonna now, you know, fix it for you because we we were the ones essentially rigging it. Um, Trump himself outsourced many jobs or had had a lot of the the products that he that he puts his name on are manufactured overseas um so so we're, we're the con men that have been rigging the system we're going to teach you how to how to unrig it and whatnot and that only really works if you actually trust that these people have your best interests in mind which uh i i certainly don't but we're, we're gonna see we've got the next four years here to see what's gonna happen so it'll be it'll be interesting now let's move to our stars and dogs segment we're gonna start with this week's Dog. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's dog. Yeah, so this week's dog is Hudson Bay Company. The symbol is HBC. So this is, I believe this is the oldest company in Canada, originally founded in 1670, so almost 350 years old. Anyone who knows their Canadian history will know that Hudson's Bay Company played a very important role throughout the settlement of this country, but I think it is safe to say that its best days are now well behind it. The stock went public in 2012, and it is trading now at an all-time low of about 1380. It's down 35% over the last year and dropped 13% in one day um, this last week with the release of their Q3 results on Tuesday. Now, revenues were great. Retail sales up 29% to $3.3 billion from $2.6 billion a year ago. But the company reported a quarterly net loss of $125 million, which was larger than expected, and the third straight quarterly loss. Um, debt levels of this company right now look very high. Two metrics that we use to evaluate the debt level are the debt to EBITDA ratio, which is over five times. I'd say that's 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 high, and the interest coverage ratio, which is about three point eight times. Um, most people have heard a lot about the secular decline of brick and mortar retail. 
Some brick and mortar stores are doing great and they'll continue to grow because they offer something of value to customers that can't be replicated by online shopping or giants like Walmart. But I think this is really the underlying issue for Hudson's Bay Company is that they have no real unique proposition to offer their consumers. They, they are trying to grow right now with an expansion into the U.S. and some repositioning to a higher net worth consumer. But it's, it's for us, it is incredibly difficult to value a company that's losing money from quarter to quarter and underperforming expectations. They do own a lot of their own real estate, and there is potential for them to continue to unlock some value there. Um, but that alone is not a reason to own the stock. It's an iconic Canadian company. Best of luck to them turning, turning the company around back to profit, profitability. But I doubt that I'm going to be a consumer, and I certainly won't be a shareholder. Yeah, specialization in retail and obviously the online retail movement has just really killed this company and they've just not been able to adjust and despite being a venerable name, not a company that we'd look to invest in. You really have to have a unique proposition, I think, as a brick and mortar store to offer either either specialization or or just price competition like say a Walmart or, or some of the large grocery chains. Now, the Dow, uh, since Trump has taken over, has gained about 1,200 uh, 1200 points since he won the election, sorry, has gained around 1,200 points over the past month. And interestingly enough, nearly half of that advance is produced by just three stocks. Leading the field by a wide margin is this week's star, Goldman Sachs Group. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. The stock is up 26.5% over the past month and has added about 320 points to the Dow. Year to date, the stock is now up 35%. Now, Goldman is a bank holding company and a financial holding company. The company is an investment banking company, securities and investment management that the company provides through its services and a wide range of financial services to a diversified client base that includes corporations, financial institutions, governments, and individuals. What is driving the rally in the stocks, uh, in the stock, sorry, is it higher earnings? Well, perhaps down the road here, but today it is really the fact that there is a new sheriff in town. Now, Sheriff Trump has promised huge tax cuts, a friendly regulatory environment, and a repatriation of billions of dollars in company accounts abroad. Now, specifically for financials, Trump will repeal Dodd-Frank, or known fully as the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. At least he has promised to do so. It is a United States federal law that places regulation on the financial industry in the hands of government. It was signed into federal law by President Barack Obama on, in July of 2010. Now, with this act repealed, the thought is the banking industry will go back to a Wild West scenario. That may not be the extreme end of the case. That may not happen. But at the very least, less regulation will equate to higher profits in the near term for banks and investment banks, such as Goldman. Now, from a valuation basis, if we just look at it basically based on its price to earnings multiple. The stock is trading around 15 and a half times this year's expected earnings and 13.3 times the consensus 2017 figure. Now these are not unreasonable levels, but at the high end of its range over the past couple of years. 
uh, corporate tax cuts here, they may be good for the market short term, but what is good for stock short term is not necessarily good for the economy and particularly in the long term. Goldman maybe is likely and is likely a decent choice for further exposure to US financials. However, the optimism in this sector uh, may be a little bit overblown and maybe baked into the price to a large degree, particularly in the near term. So further gains may be muted. However, the 26% gain for the shares over the course of this month do give it the coveted status of our star of the week. Very complicated entities, these uh, these big investment firms and banks in the United States. I've, I've looked through the financials themselves, and it's, it's really difficult, I think, for anybody to get a good handle of actually what the economic value being created by them is at a long, on a long-term basis. So right now, like you said, 15 times um, this year's expected earnings, 13.3 um, times the 2017 consensus figure, you know, that at face value doesn't look bad, but... There's uh, sometimes it's just uh, when you're looking at a business, which is so many moving parts, it's so complicated. You just it's really difficult to trust or, or determine where earnings are going to be even a year or two out. Yeah, there can be large quarterly fluctuations. Often Goldman is subject to write downs, fines in a, in a quarter or two. There's a lot of moving parts with the business. It's very difficult to understand. Uh, it's difficult enough to understand Canadian banks, but the, you know, a lot on a relative basis simpler to understand uh, maybe you know Canadians better off situating themselves in those banks uh, for a longer from a longer term perspective but again Aaron I'd like to thank you this week for joining me uh, thank you and uh, we will be back next week again I wish our listeners profitable investing profitable investing <laughs>